Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today is my rapid reaction to the Falcons' 23-17 loss to the Buffalo Bills in Week 4. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, this rapid reaction of the Locked On Falcons podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at MyBookie.ag for up to 100% deposit bonus. Also, I want to let you guys know that we are giving away a Pro Football Focus Edge account. Stay tuned to the very end of this podcast to hear details about how you can win that Pro Football Focus Edge account. All right, guys, let's get into it. Um, first loss of the season for the Falcons. I think, you know, generally speaking, they got outplayed. We talked about this last week. I said if, if Ryan Trader didn't play, didn't suit up for this game, I was going to be a lot more worried about this game than I probably sounded like at various times on, on last week's shows. Ryan Trader did not play. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that they lost the game because Schrader didn't play because I thought Sam Brelo held his own for the most part. We'll see if that sort of holds up on, on a rewatch. But um, in noticing him live, I didn't really notice any major issues with him. So um, I don't think that was probably the big issue, but uh, a lot of other factors sort of led to the Falcons losing this game, turnovers, some officiating mistakes, some breakdowns on defense, just not a very promising game for the Falcons. Uh, maybe I jinxed it with sort of talking about 16-0 and and avoiding that whole conversation. They certainly did. So uh, I, I guess I, it's only on me to sort of blame that. So um, let's get into it. I think there's a variety of narratives that you can choose to sort of glean from this game. Uh, we have a tendency to sort of frame things in terms of narratives because, you know, our human brain's prefer things that make sense to have a beginning, a middle, and end, things that sort of coalesce in a coherent sort of structure. And uh, that's how we tend to break these things down. But I, you know, I don't necessarily at this point in time, as I'm recording this a few hours after the game ended, I don't necessarily know if I've glommed onto one particular narrative, but I'll go over a couple that I think are worth discussing. And, and probably in the end, I think I'll probably wind up concluding that all of these sort of played a factor into it. And I, I hope you guys do too as well, instead of sort of going the sort of more simplistic route that people have a tendency to do to sort of pick the narrative that sort of fits their own personal agenda or their own sort of preconceived biases and whatnot. And I certainly have been known to do that from time to time. So I can't blame people too much for doing that, but uh, let's get into it. All right. I think the first thing you got to talk about is turnovers, killing the Falcons. They almost lost last week because of turnovers uh, I'm sure there's still some butthurt Lion fans uh, <laughs> believe that they did lose last week, um, thanks to officiating, and I, I guess we can get into that a little bit later. But, uh, you know, I don't think personally the high pick should have counted. I think he trapped it on the ground, but I, I, they're also, at the same time, 
there wasn't really a clear angle where you could clearly say that was the case. And so I, I don't fault the rest for not overturning that. The sack, strip, fumble, return, touchdown, I think was a bad call. There's no doubt about that. I just, I don't understand how you don't, you know, I know they got rid of the tuck rule, but um, that wasn't a tuck rule. The ball was going forward. Um, but you look, know, it is what it is. I, I won't sit here and say that that, that was what cost the Falcons a game, but it certainly changed the the momentum of the game, I guess, for lack of a better term. But, like, you know, they still had 25 minutes, 26 minutes to overcome a four-point deficit. And, you know, in, in years past, and games past, that wouldn't have been an issue for the Falcons, but apparently it was this year. Um, you know, I think, I think the Bills really did a, a solid job by basically once they got that fumble recovery touchdown, they basically shut down the Falcons' offense from that point on. Two of the next three possessions were, were wound up in turnovers, and I think that's a testament to the Bills having the number one ranked defense. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, you know, another narrative you can come through based off of that is the Falcons can't handle number one ranked scoring defenses from the AFC East. The last two losses came to number one ranked scoring defenses from the AFC East. Maybe that's a, a low blow on my part. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know how, how much I'll, I'll buy into that narrative. But it, it is certainly something that you can at least point out. Uh, you know, the third narrative, I, I guess, would be injuries. And I I get why people would say injuries killed the Falcons today. They lost Julio uh, late in the second quarter. They lost Sanu at some point. No one even know, knew he got hurt. I think he had a hamstring injury. He missed the entire second half. Crawford went out with a biceps injury. Obviously, Beasley, Schrader, and Allen were also out. So you, you really saw the team miss five of their starters and, and, a, and a key role player in Crawford at a position that they were already down Upshaw and already were lacking on sort of the depth at that D-tackle position to begin with. Um, I would argue that Hardy sort of stepped up and filled for Sanu. I don't think Hardy had a great game, but he certainly did something, you know, as far as the outside receivers went. Gabriel did not for Julio. And that, you know, and I, Gabriel had five targets, was held cap, catch list. One of the Ryan's picks came on a deep throw to Gabriel. Um... You know, for the time being, without really watching the film, I'll give the Bills' defense credit for keeping Gabriel in check. Uh, Matt Ryan had a passer rating of 31.4 when you just account for his throws to wide receivers this game. It was even 69 point something just when you count for Julio and Sanu. So it's not as if, oh, the Falcons, you know, that stats because the Falcons had really crappy receivers. It's the Bills' secondary did an excellent job, and that's why I'll give credit to the Bills' um, defense however speaking on the on the gabriel thing despite the touchdown last week i still have some question marks about gabriel's usage under sarkeesian and you know i can't necessarily say this is a sarkeesian issue because i think one of the one of the things that we talked about this offseason but was something somewhat glossed over because you know we're all riding high on the the sark anti shanahan bandwagon was the fact that shanahan leaving in my opinion, potentially would have the biggest impact on Gabriel's production because when you look at Gabriel's three-year career, the two years he was played under Shanahan, he was great. The one year he was playing under Dowell Loggins, he wasn't great. And despite the touchdown he had last week, I don't think he's really been all that great. They've, take, they've taken some deep shots to him, but it seems like you know Matt Ryan's seemingly missed on all of them. But it seems like primarily he's been a screen, short passing sort of guy, and that's not really getting the most out of him. 
And I think once they once Julio and Sanu were out, they really needed Gabriel to step up and be that number one guy, and he wasn't. And they had to rely on Justin Hardy and Nick Williams to to make plays. And again, I don't know if that's the build the credit to the Bills defense. Is that credit to Taylor Gabriel not being good? Is that credit to Sark's play calling? I have no idea. I'll I'll let you guys know when I rewatch the tape. But um, they have to find ways to get him the ball. So, you know, uh, again, I think it was it was one of those things that we talked about, you know, when we talked about regression, Gabriel coming off a career year was likely going to regress. You know, Gabriel putting up the production that he had last year was unlikely to sustain. But, you know, going over 5, and again, like, that's, that's too big of a regression. That's too big of a drop-off. So, um, you know, let's, we'll talk about the play calling. I want to talk about, that deep ball. But first I want to let you guys know that plenty of people ask me for betting advice. And when they always ask me, should, will the Falcons win? Are they going to cover? Who's who else is going to cover? And I can tell you this, that where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. You can use the promo code locked on for up to a hundred percent deposit bonus. There are plenty of online sports books out there, but mybookie.ag I think is the only one that really deserves my stamp of approval. It's the only it's the best sports book I've ever used. It's the only sports book I've ever used. And it's been in business for years. The reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So right off the bat, you know you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. They have the fastest payouts, just two business days. You can get your own glitzy Las Vegas casino experience right from the sanctity and and safety of your smartphone. Go to mybookie.ag, place your bets. Tell them I sent you by using the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N. You play, you win, you get paid. So let, let's talk a little bit more about the play calling. Um, no, look, look, before we get to the play calling, let me talk about the deep ball and the interception of Gabriel, because that's what we were just talking about. Contrary to popular opinion, that was not a jump ball. Okay. That ball traveled 60 yards in the air. That's the, that's the furthest extent of Matt Ryan's throwing ability. The ball was a quote-unquote jump ball because Matt Ryan couldn't out-throw Gabriel on that particular play. That ball traveled 60 yards. Yeah, like you can go and watch every single deep ball Matt Ryan throws, and I guarantee you 95% of them do not travel more than 55 yards in the air. Right? It's just that ball hung up in the air because Matt Ryan can't throw the ball further. So when people say, oh, that's bad play calling, why are you going to throw a deep ball, a jump ball to Taylor Gabriel? That's not on the decision to throw a jump ball to Taylor Gabriel. That's simply because Matt Ryan couldn't throw the ball more than 60 yards in the air. And it allowed the safety to play the deep coverage. Now, that's not me trying to throw Matt Ryan under the bus. We've known just 10 years now where we've known Matt Ryan can't throw the ball more than 60 yards on the field. I know other people like to say he can, but he can't. And most quarterbacks can't throw the ball more than 60 yards out of the field. No, you know, very few quarterbacks are throwing 60-yard passes in games, other than on Hail Mary. So I don't want to sit here and act like that's a horrible, horrible thing. But that's, that's it, guys. Let's talk about the play calling. Um, I think everybody has every right to question the play calling at the end of the game. This would be my fourth narrative. Um, I think there's probably some earlier ones that I'm not thinking of that I think probably other people had questions, so that sort of solidifies, oh, why, you know, Sark let us down, Sark blew the game, whatever the case may be. 
If you believe that, that's fine. I'm I'm not going to sit here and argue with you too much. Um, but going back and looking at those last two play calls, the third and fourth, third down and one, fourth down and one at the end with the Falcons in scoring position, needing to get the, to the end zone. Um, I think just simply going to a as some people did, or at least some people on Twitter did after the game. Um, some people blaming the loss on those two play calls. I think it's generally speaking, that's the sort of analysis hashtag analysis that I think is bad. Um, because I think it completely disregards the other 129 plays that came before that as having an impact on the game and saying it only boiled down. Like, you know, the three turnovers didn't have an impact. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard for me to say those two play calls had more of an impact than the three turnovers or any number of other plays that had an impact on the game. But let's 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 talk about those two play calls again. Not defending the play calling, but the the simple sort of those are two bad play calls that cost the Falcons game. I, I think that's you know let's pump the brakes on those sort of takes. Um, going back to the third and one, Falcons spread it out with a three by one set in the shotgun. Um, I thought they were going to run a pick play to one of their three wide receivers that were lined up on the left. Instead, they sort of had those guys all sort of run traditional routes, um, slants and, and curls and whatnot, or whatever it was. Um, Ryan was looking right to Hooper um, on a corner route in the end zone. Uh, he was bracketed by the cornerback and the linebacker, and because the cornerback, he was bracketed because the cornerback was playing off, um, and the cornerback was actually covering Kevin Coleman out of the backfield because they were playing like a cover three man zone sort of concept. Um, and Ryan was looking for Hooper because of the cornerback playing off. He couldn't fit the ball in. And so in my opinion, looking at that play, then Matt Ryan should have read the corner as playing off and then said, oh, he's not covering Tevin Coleman. Let me hit the check down to Tevin Coleman. They should have gotten a converted there. But for whatever reason, Matt Ryan, because of happy feet or whatever the case went back to the other side of the field and, and just basically threw it away. So I, I I can't really be mad at that play call. It just seemed like the quarterback missed it, right? It just That's what it looked like. Even if it wasn't an ideal play call, like if you're going to call that play, like to me the ideal play call would have been run a pick route to Justin Hardy or, or Taylor Gabriel or something like that. But even if I can't get mad at the call, they, the play they called because it looked like it was a worthwhile play call, and it just looked like the quarterback missed the check down. And if he, and he hit that check down, they would have converted. So we'll see what the, the film says, and I'll, I'll see if I come to a different conclusion rewatching the film. But that's my initial take, rewatching it on the TV copy. The fourth down and one play call, the Bills came out discombobulated, and they called a timeout. And had they not, it looked like the Falcons were lining up to, they were lining up in their 21 personnel I formation. And to me, it looked like they had a great opportunity because they had one-on-one on the outside, a single high safety. The Bills were stacking in the box, and they could have ran a quick slant to either Hardy or Gabriel on the outside because those guys were singled up. And the Bills called the timeout, though, and then they came out, and it looked like the Falcons basically ran that same exact play, Right? With the bill, but the Bills didn't stack the box anymore. They had they gave both of their cornerbacks safety help because both safeties sort of were squatting in those throwing lanes on the quick slants that forced Matt Ryan to sort of eat the ball. And then, unfortunately, the play call he didn't have any other receivers. The Falcons went max protect because on the previous play, the Bills had 
eight guys in the box. And it looked like they were going to go for an all-out blitz. And the Falcons went max protect. They didn't even have Coleman, Tevin Coleman, who was the running back on the field, behind Derek Coleman. Because, they, again, they came out in their 21 power run formation play action offense. He was blocking on the play. So they only had two receivers running routes. And I think if you're going to go rip the Falcons play calling in, that last situ- in those last two plays, I don't think it's they should have ran the ball. Because I think when you look back at their running plays, their three previous run plays went for negative seven, negative two, and zero yards. So this idea that, oh, if they had just run the ball, they would have gained a yard. Now, that being said, given that the Falcons were in four-down territory, it makes perfect sense on third and one to run the football and then see what you get. Hopefully you convert. If you don't, then you can still throw the ball in fourth and one, right? And again, because in that situation, the clock was not the Falcons' enemy at that point. But... um, uh, so I, I understand when people say they should have ran the ball in third down. I get that. But again, I don't think their decision to throw the football was this stupid decision because, again, you go back and you look at their their running previous to that in the second half hadn't been great, at least on the last couple of runs. And they couldn't even get a yard on their last three runs. So that being said, I get why they decided to throw the football. But the play call they called, only having two guys Run routes. Ugh. And so to me, my only conclusion at this point in time, and again, maybe I'll, I'll change my opinion rewatching the film, but my only conclusion is the Bills made an adjustment. They came out, called the timeout, made an adjustment, like, oh, they're going to do this. Let's do this. And the Falcons didn't make that adjustment. Now, you know, who you want to throw under the bus for that is up to you. Um, but that's what I'll say about the play calling. Um, let's see what else, what else? Another, a fifth sort of narrative that we could come to is maybe the Falcons just got complacent. We've seen the Falcons now under Dan Quinn lose three straight games going into the bye week. They lost to the 49ers in 2015, the infamous Blaine Garrett game. They lost to the Eagles in 2016. The infamous Jason Peters and Fletcher Cox decided that they wanted to prove that they were the two best football players on the planet game. And, and friggin' Wendell Smallwood and Ryan Matthews, the last good game Ryan Matthews had, and now we lost to the Bills. Now, I remember we had Brian Finner in on one of those episodes, I think, around that time following that Eagles game, and I remember asking him, do you think that this is a thing, that the Falcons maybe were looking ahead to the bye week, looking ahead to the week off, and, and got a little complacent? And he said no. And, you know, since Brian Finneran's played in the league, I'll, I'll certainly trust his opinion. Now that it's been three years, though, like, I don't know. Like, maybe it's a thing. I think it's starting to be a thing. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying, like, oh, let's make some huge sweeping judgments. Let's, like, Dan Quinn is not preparing. Like, no, we, we don't need to go freak out. We don't need to go hot, hot take, like, scolding hot take about it. But I think now that when you see the team coming out flat and lacking urgency and lacking energy, three years in a row going into the bye week, two of which games they were favored by a touchdown, you know, the 49ers game and this Bears game, Bills game, I'm sorry, and just to basically just get outplayed for most of those games, I think there's got, you know, when there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire there. That's all I'll say. So, um, you know, that would probably be the fifth narrative I'd come up with. Probably the sixth narrative and probably the, the, the best narrative, I think the most rational, reasonable narrative is simply the one where the Bills just outplayed the Falcons. 
Um, now, again, there's a variety of reasons why that occurred. But, you know, I think people were questioning whether the Bills' defense was for real last week. And like, oh, they, you know, they're number one, but they haven't played anybody. And they played the Panthers. They're terrible. They played the Broncos. They got Trevor Simeon. They played the Jets. They're terrible. And so, to me, the question was going to be, is this Bills' defense for real? Is this going to be look like the Sean McDermott defense of Carolina that got carved up last year by the Falcons' offense? Or is it going to look like the Sean McDermott defense in prior years that generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, shut down the Falcons' offense? And it looked more like those prior year Sean McDermott offenses, and that's something we talked with with Kevin uh, Masari. I'm sorry, I bought your last name, Kevin. Uh, last week on 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 the Locked On Bills crossover pod, and you know the force to go on the road into Atlanta, force three turnovers, and hold that offense to 17 points. That's a testament to the Bills' defense. I don't, I don't care what you think about the play calling, the officiating, the injuries. All those things certainly may have benefited the the Bills, but credit is is given to the Bills, and you know I. My personal opinion is this, and like one of the things I'll add to this, in in going back to what we talked about on last week's show, in addition to the Schrader injury being a concern, we talked about Tyrod's ability to sort of use his legs to convert some of those third and shorts, and he did that. He did that twice. Both times, not coincidentally, I think, came on scoring drives for the Bills. They were able to control the clock, particularly, you know, and to me, this, that, that last drive in the third quarter that bled into the fourth quarter, when the Bills went 19 plays, 82 yards of 19 plays, controlled the clock for 11 minutes and 20 seconds, and wound up with points. You know, you saw McCoy and Tobert combine for 100 yards on 28 carries in this game. Even though you look at them and say, oh, they, they averaged under four yards a carry, they, they were successful. This is why, to me, success rate is a much better measure of of, of run success than yards per carry because McCoy overall in the game was successful in 55% of his runs. And, and for those of you guys that aren't as familiar with success rate, because again, it's an underground stat and that's why I keep using it because I, I want, I want at least the, the, the few thousand people that listen to this show to understand that if the wide world of football doesn't understand it, but success rate measures run success based off of down and distance. And so on first downs, you want to get 40% of the yards scanned. So on a first and 10, you want to get at least four yards. On second down, you want to get 60% of the yards. So if it's a second and five, you want to get three, at least three yards on that down. And on third and fourth downs, obviously you want to get the full 100%, which is to convert on those, on those downs. And what success rate does, you know, and not to get too much in the nitty gritty, um, but success rate sort of like measures sort of sustainability and keeping your offense on schedule. And in putting your offense, like, basically whenever you get the ball on any given first and 10, you have like a 67% chance of getting another first down in the next three plays. And so when you run for a certain amount of yards, it doesn't necessarily mean that you maintain that 67% uh, potential of, of, of converting, but it keeps it close. It keeps it within range where you still have a very high, relatively high probability of getting another first down. And that's really what success rate is doing. And that's really what running the football is designed to do in the modern NFL. It's not designed to necessarily carry your offense like it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Obviously, with some teams being the exception, typically teams that don't have great quarterback play, including arguably the Bills. You know, don't don't hate me, Tyrod, for saying that. But 
you know, you look at this, that's what success rate matters. And when you can get over 50% success rate, that's really good in this league. When you get 40, over 40%, that's pretty good. Under 40% is eh, is iffy, but if you can sort of keep it at like 37, 38%, that's okay. That's acceptable. Anything below that is bad. That's not good rushing. Anything below 30% is terrible. Um, so going back to the success rate, you go on the Bills two touchdown drives. McCoy was successful in 11 of his 17 runs combined on those two drives. That's a 65% success rate. To me, it's not a coincidence then that the Bills scored on those touchdowns. And that's one of those things like, to me, success rate, that's another reason why success rate is much more a valuable stat, much more um, relatable and corollary stat than yards per carry. And in a 19-play drive, they ran the ball to McCoy nine times. He was successful in seven of those runs. Tolbert had four runs on that drive. He was successful in three of those runs. My boy DeMarco had one run. He was not successful in that run. But to have 10 minutes of time of possession in the third quarter was huge for the Bills because that was after the, the Falcons started turning the ball over. And to basically take 10 minutes, 11 minutes of time off the Falcons clock, 10 minutes including that third quarter, basically prevented the Falcons from getting back into the game. You also looked at the Bills, even though I don't think their pressure was insurmountable, they did hit Ryan seven times. Um, that's not a huge amount, but because we, you know, we've seen in past years, in past games, where Ryan's been hit 10 plus times in a game. So seven isn't this like eye-popping number when it comes to our offensive line, including this year and last year's offensive line, which contrary to popular opinion, is not as, you know, this world-beating offensive line, but, you know, that's another story for another day, but that's a lot of hits to take. Seven hits is a lot, and so even if you only sack Ryan once, hitting him seven times certainly can rattle him. We know one of the knocks on Ryan throughout his career generally has been, not always the case, but generally has been, if you can hit him early, you can rattle him, and the Bills, I wouldn't necessarily say that they came out of the gates knocking him down, but you know, a couple of those early drives in the first and second quarter, Lorenzo Alexander and, and company were a little successful getting at him. Um, so, you know, those are the main narratives I would go to. On top of that, you know, I think I don't think it's easy to sort of just say it was one thing. If you are going to say it's one thing, it was the Bills outplayed us. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, like, when, when I think you're going to hear a lot of people say the defense played well, the, you know, I, I think that's BS, personally. Now, you guys know I, I tend to be a lot harder on the Falcons defense than your average fan. But, like, to me, like, 19-play drive without a defensive penalty? Come on, man, that's terrible, right? The Bills had three offensive penalties on that drive. For them to give up three third downs and let the Bills eat over 11 minutes a clock, like that, I'm sorry, like even if the defense had been playing well prior to that, that completely ruined their performance. I cannot praise the defense after 19 plays, man. You couldn't get off the field one time in 11 minutes? And you got three penalties from the Bills to help you out? Come on, man. Like, um, you know, this is the part where I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to let my emotions come out, but like... I think the defense has played well this year, but I don't think today they played well because I, I think when you look at the game, the Bills were able to do everything they wanted to do offensively. Like, what did the Falcons do to stop them? They wanted Tyrod to be able to use his legs to convert some key third downs. He did that. They wanted him to use his legs to extend some plays and take some shots down the field. He did that, right? They wanted to run the ball successfully with LaShawn McCoy. They did that, right? 
right? We knew that the Bills wide receivers weren't good. So who did they need to get involved in the passing game? Charles Clay, right? They did that. He had a five catches for 112 yards, right? They wanted to protect the football. We didn't force a turnover. Like the Bills offense, like even though you look at the picture, oh, the Bills offense broad with this sort of broad lens and say, oh, the Bills offense didn't have a great performance today. So that's a testament to the Falcons. No, it's not. The Bills don't have a good offense. But they were able to do everything that they needed to do in order to win the game, in addition to their defense's performance. And so to me, now, if you want to look at it in the binary way that people often do, which is to say that who had a bigger impact on the Falcons losing and who played, quote-unquote, well enough for the Falcons to win, the defense versus the offense, then sure, by that sort of binary, sort of basic sort of outlook, then sure, yeah, the defense played well enough for the Falcons to win because it wasn't the defense that let it wasn't even that turned the ball over three times and, and couldn't convert on a with one yard to go in the final two minutes of the game. I understand that sort of thinking, but to sit here and be like, oh the defense played well, like BS, I'm sorry. Like that's that's complete utter BS if you ask me. So um you know, if if <laughs> if there's one narrative that I want to nip in the bud, that's going to be the one, I guess. This narr- like again, I think the defense has played well this year. I'll give the defense a lot of credit, but not 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 today. No, like did, did they play terrible? No, but did they play well enough? Did they do the things that they needed to do in order to help stop the Bills do the things that they wanted to do? No, they didn't. At at most, the most credit I can give the defense is they weren't awful. Right, it wasn't like the Bills went over and beyond what they needed to do, but you know, Tyrod having a hundred and ten passer rating, Lashawn McCoy after having less than like thirty yards combined the last two weeks to put up almost eighty yards rushing. Like, come on, like, don't, let's let's don't go there, please, please. I know all you. I know some of you guys were like, let's be positive and let's talk about how the defense is coming. Like, not this week. Save that for two weeks from now. After the the Dolphins game, because by God, looking at the, with how the Dolphins played the last two weeks, if the defense doesn't come out firing out the gates, you know, in week six, then we got a problem on our hands. But that's that's a conversation for another day. Now, speaking of which, I think a lot of people are going to be rejoicing. Can't wait for the bye week, given the injuries. I, I still don't like this early bye week. I don't care how many how beat up the Falcons are. I don't want to be healthy for the AFC East games. I want to be healthy for the NFC South games and getting these guys back. Now, yeah, obviously it helps the Falcons win games now, but if if we if, you know if we go three and one in the AFC East and three and one in the NFC North, how how does that matter if we go you know three and three in the NFC South? I I, I don't think it is. You know, maybe it will. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, you know, I, I just named nine wins. So assuming you split between Dallas and, and Seattle, then you got ten wins, and so that should mean equal to the playoffs. So I, I get that, but um, like to me, I'd rather go play Miami next week and have that bye week in week ten and week eleven. Having an early bye, I think, is a disadvantage. I think attrition is like one of the reasons that I didn't. We didn't talk about it a lot this summer. But I was, one of the concerns I had and one of the reasons why I couldn't get fully invested, but we didn't talk about it because, you know, you're not supposed to talk about injuries. But I was concerned about the injury issues. And to me, it wasn't necessarily the team, the Falcons had many vulnerabilities, but to me, the one vulnerability they had was was depth. But again, one of the things we talked about all spring, all summer was, 
oh, look how amazing the Falcons depth is. Well, guess what, guys? It's going to get tested this year. It's like, you know, you open your mouth and you jinxed it. <laughs> you talk about how TD talking. I'm gonna, I got to find a way to blame TD, right? Um, TD uh, coming out and saying, uh, this is the most depth. This is the, the best depth we, I've ever had since we've been here. Well, guess what? Now you're going to need it. Now, hopefully the Falcons come back healthy in week five. But, you know, in, in all honesty, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about how beat up and how sort of worn down some of these guys are going to be going down the stretch. And so if if we have to save a couple of guys for that week six game, you know, some guys that might be, you know, 80, 85% and be like, you know what, take it easy this week, Julio. Take it easy this week, you know, Upshaw or, or, or Vic. You know, if Vic has to miss six games instead of four, then so be it. Um, just so we can have our best guys down the stretch. But we'll see how it goes. Um, attrition is, is going to be the, the great enemy of the Falcons this year. And, and you know, losing Beasley, losing Schrader, losing Allen, losing Julio, losing Sanu, losing Crawford, right? All, the, all these injuries, you know, it, the fact that the Falcons came out of the preseason without really any injuries, I think was sort of like, you know, again, um, we didn't talk about because, you know, I don't like being too pessimistic, uh, just only slightly. But, uh, you know, to basically come out of training camp without any injuries, it probably was an indicator that we were going to get some going into the regular season. Now, all that being said, I don't think anybody should panic. I think, you know, the Falcons lost. It's a tough loss. It was a frustrating game to watch. Um, I don't think anybody should, you know, start rewriting how the season is going and say, oh, the Falcons aren't that good and whatnot. But it was one of those things where it's like they, they needed this wake-up call, and hopefully they respond to it. Hopefully. Um, you know, they have a bye week, so they, there's really – and they have a, a team that looks bad in Miami um, right now. It's looked ho- horrible these last two games, um, particularly on offense. They got shut up by the Saints, guys, if you didn't, if you didn't catch that early game. They couldn't move the ball at all. It's, they had, like, one good drive from what I saw. Um, you know, I was a little groggy. I didn't have my coffee yet. but So, you know, they, they have they have a patsy game. They have a tune-up game before they go to the Patriots. Um, and then they have another presumably tune-up game against the Jets, even though the Jets don't look terrible right now. You know, they took the, the mighty Jaguars overtime. I don't even know who won that game. I, I should check who won that game. Ah, uh, just one. Okay, all right. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm meandering now. I don't really have a whole lot else to say. Um, I don't think you know people should panic over this loss, but I, I do think it, it has the opportunity of being a wake up call to this team, and they can respond to it in a positive way, or it can be, oh, we just got exposed, and this is going to be question marks that we're going to have for the remainder of the season, or at least for a large portion of the remainder of the season. Only time will tell. I'm not going to fall one way or the other right now because I don't know. Like, we don't know. So we'll take it as a one game. That's what we do on this show. We take it one week at a time. We'll talk next week. We'll we'll revisit this game in the coming days. And then we'll start to pivot towards the bye week or whatever later this week, and we'll figure stuff out. So that's it, guys. Um, This episode was brought to you by MyBookie. Dot ag get in all the action by going to mybookie.ag where they will match up to 100% of your deposit with a bonus and use the promo code locked on to get that 
Of course, we're giving away the Pro Football Focus Edge account. That is a $40 value. You get NFL player grades, snap counts, position rankings, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts. You get NFL draft coverage, all that stuff, right? Um, how do you get in on the Pro Football Focus Edge account? Well, you got to go to Locked on Falcons on iTunes. Give us a rating review. Five stars, please. And leave your Twitter handle in the review. And at the end of the week, there will be a random winner from the five-star reviews. A stress five stars. Five stars. I'll just keep saying it so it's subconsciously in your brain. Five stars. And a random winner will be picked each week to get that free Pro Football Focus Edge account. I don't necessarily know who's going to be the winners, guys. They haven't told me. But in the meantime, maybe you'll increase your chances by subscribing to Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer, where Jeff Radcliffe, the director of fantasy for Pro Football Focus, will be making appearances every Thursday. You can also check out friend of the podcast, Mike Renner, who will be joining Locked On NFL every Wednesday. That's with uh, Matt Williamson. So check out those two shows if you want to stay up to date on all the Pro Football Focus action. If you don't win, I'm sure those guys are dropping uh, Pro Football Focus knowledge so you can you can glean some of that stuff, uh, the, the breadcrumbs that they're leaving for you. And, and that's what we have. Tomorrow we'll be back with more in-depth recap. I'm sure we'll talk about Matt Ryan. I'm sure we'll talk about injuries. I'm sure we'll talk about play calling. But I'll bring somebody along to talk more about this game on tomorrow's episode. That's what's on deck, guys. Um, Tuesday, or that's t- tomorrow's Tuesday as you're listening to this. Um, uh, Wednesday will be the All-22 review. If you have film-specific questions, I will certainly be breaking down those last two plays on the film, so you don't need to ask questions about that. But if you have film-specific questions, you can hit me up um, that way. If you don't have film-specific questions, you can still hit me up. It doesn't matter. If you want to know, I ate chicken wings today. If you want to know what flavor of chicken wings I ate, you can ask me that question. How do you do that? Well, my friend, Lockdown Falcons is the Twitter handle. That's the best way of getting in touch with the show. If you um, don't like character limits, 140 or 280 character limits, then you can use LockdownFalcons at Bail.com. That's the email address, Falcons is the Facebook page. Give us a like while you're there. Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter at FileFans. Just let me know it's podcast related as opposed to just general trick and wing nonsense that we tweet about on the show or, or I tweet about on online. Um, Audioboom.com, FileFans.com. That's where the show is posted daily. You can also hit me up there uh, and get your comments and queries answered. As always, do the iTunes reviews. Towards the end of the week, we'll re- read those, um, let those accumulate, and we'll... we'll We'll do that later on this week as well. So that's it, guys. That's my rapid reaction. Tough, tough game to watch. Frustrating game to watch. But uh, don't overreact to it. Get some sleep. Um, it's not, you know, the sky's not falling. It's, 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 it's you know, I, I was hoping the Falcons would be four zero, ending this first quarter of the season. Three and one's not bad. Um, we'll, we'll see how they respond to it, and that's really the big question. If they respond well to it, then it's nothing. If they don't, then it's something. And only time will tell. So um, for the time being, take a deep breath. You know, and I know most of you guys that listen to the show are certainly likely to be doing that. Just don't let everybody that's on Twitter uh, get you get you too down. Um, so, yeah, there you go. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. 
I pronounce you Bye, a wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.